Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to episode 153 of the Square Ball Podcast. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Podcast is supported by Levi Solicitors. For 10% of your legal fees, mention the Square Ball when you contact them. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk. And thanks to you if you got hold of issue three of our fanzine against Birmingham. It did sell out in mega quick time. It was sold out by 2.15. So if you came down to the ground looking for one around 2.30, that's the reason why you couldn't find anyone. It was mad busy, wasn't it? It was. I think we're soon probably going to criticise the club for their... Um their consumption frenzy, but, you know, it, it passed on to us and people were just buying. I'm going to have 10 copies just because everything's going to sell out. Everything, <laughs> everywhere. Um, so, yeah, we've we've still got a few left, uh, which will be on sale at the, the QPR game. You'll have to be quick because there's not many. It's a few hundred, isn't it? Yeah. However, we will have thousands of Bielsa stickers to give out because they didn't quite make it to the <laughs> to the Birmingham game, did they, due to a, what we might term a logistical error. So Definitely not my fault, is what I'm keen to stress. <laughs> I, I picked up magazines from the printers and I collected a pallet full of stuff and they weren't on there. Also, I thought Audi had them, so sorry. <laughs> but come and, come and see the normal sellers and, and get your free stickers. Yeah, they'll be out for the, uh, for the QPR game. Everything you need for mag, clothing, mugs and whatnot at the squareball.net. Second viewing now then of Birmingham. We did the match ball at the weekend in a centenary frenzy. How are we feeling now? We've all calmed down a little bit. It was a jolly nice day in the end. Picked the glitter out of my hair and got the uh, ticker tape off my clothing and uh, and I'm glad we won and glad that Calvin Phillips scored and um, as Marcel Bielsa put it, God, it was a fair act from God. We'd missed that part of the quote when we were in here on Saturday. A fair act from God. Leeds don't get those. Maybe once in a hundred years is uh, is the frequency with which we do get those. Um, and anything we got wrong then from the match ball or any further observations that we picked up on? We didn't give Jack Harrison enough credit for his assist. It was no. actually very good. Some good closing down. Admittedly, the, the Birmingham player appeared to be drowning in quicksand or something as, as he was... Maybe that was just in comparison to Jack Harrison, who is quick. The well is near that part of the pitch, the well that's underneath Holland Road. So perhaps he, he was being drawn drawn down there. So yeah, good work from him as the as the Birmingham player. That's three sank. assists in three games, isn't it? Mm-hmm. If we count the Kyle Bartley on goal, are we counting that one as an assist? Somebody mm. had to put the ball in, didn't I mean, they? The shot was going wide. Yeah, I suppose so. But well, is it, yeah, so I suppose isn't it an assist for Alioski then, even though he sort of scored? He played it onto Bartley. Uh, Anyway, like he set up three goals, so which is better? That's what we need him to do instead of just fanning about on the wing. Maybe this is his passing range as well. He can go five yards to to one side. 
Well, it does make it a lot easier. I mean, it's one of the bewildering things with Leeds is the way we keep crossing from the uh, touchlines to, well, we don't have a player. We haven't got Lee Chapman. Mark Viduka isn't there, just pinging in the cross anyway. So it's kind of good that we're we're into the channels again and just sliding it across. You don't get the sense that Bielsa's training them to wang big crosses in at the big man, do you? It's amazing that they actually, that they keep doing it though, because you'd think that would be the kind of thing, maybe without Lamrani around to dish out the Chinese burns, these things like discipline is lax under, under Bielsa these days. Or maybe teams have just got us sussed out a little bit and that's what they restrict us to doing. Yeah, that we can't get near the penalty area. They tend to just leave the the wings for us to dominate and they're just like, well, we'll stay in the middle and just clear everything you put into there. Do you think, you know, the multiple chances chance that we spoke about on the match ball on Saturday where four people had a bite of the cherry? Who, who In what order did it go? I can't quite remember. Uh, it went... Bamford backheeled it to well he he didn't shoot and I think that's the original sin is if he just swung that right leg of his and A it may have hit the south stand but at least have a go uh, so Bamford and then he backheeled to Costa his shot was blocked Dallas then passed it to I thought it was Harrison but it was Harrison with the big long pass it was click in the box so if he just turned and put it in the net but he, he bounced it back to Dallas and then Dallas had to adjust himself and shoot and it was saved and then Bamford was coming in for the rebound but it was cleared before he, he got there so it's basically all our attackers so On second viewing though not quite as bad as we maybe feared There weren't quite as many clear cut chances and, and in, in some ways I could even see what Bamford was doing I would expect mm. a striker to score from there but he did set the chance up quite nicely and Costa should have scored then the best chance out of all of those was Costa's yeah, because he had space and he could have put it to either side of the goalkeeper at that point. I but thought instead, chose to shoot straight at it. It was fairly unselfish of Bamford to lay that off. I mean, because I think under other circumstances he might have shot, but I don't really think that shot was on. I think it was probably just um, a little bit too much on the wrong side with the defender there. I think I keep uh, referring to this, but I think I spoiled myself with watching so much Viduka for the extra ball over the last few weeks because that ball comes over the top for Viduka and I think he controls it and he just does a little Cruyff turn and then he turns and he uses his other foot to slide it into the far corner of the net. Bamford, if he doesn't take that first swing at it, there's still the option there of maybe control it and look for a way to shoot. But like, it was a good it was a good idea. Like He didn't just wang it into the stand. And so I, I think it's kind of, I'd like him to be braver with those, just wellying it with whatever boot it, it's on because I think his, his reluctance to use his right foot lets him down. I think he may have more luck with it if he just uses it. But then the back heel to Costa was a was a clever move and did set up something that the other three should have scored from. You can guarantee that Bamford will score tonight because we're recording this on the morning of the Preston game. You can guarantee he'll score a right-footed goal tonight. He always scores at Preston, so... And it will be right-footed. Yeah. Maybe he gets a perfect hat-trick. Right foot, left foot and head. Like Johnny Housen. And uh, that Niketia chance then, should he have squared it to um, Alioski? Yeah. We just asked if we just told a striker off for not shooting. Mm. This one should have passed because Alioski was in loads of space in the box. Be perfect all the time. That's all we're saying. Yes. All we're asking. All we're asking. I would. Re- I'd like to revise my comments about Enketia on Saturday of him being cocky, and I've come round to the idea. And I've thought about it more. Like, no confidence. Cockiness is good. I think the word I was looking for and the, the line he was crossing was showboaty on Saturday. That's what I was kind of thinking. He was. He was playing a little bit too much. <laughs> Um, Alioski sorry <laughs> sorry we'll come on to that well that's a very different kind of uh, show but he, he was playing a little bit to the crowd um, in terms of I think because he, he's obviously feeding off the, the Eddie Eddie chance the support he gets and I think he could do with maybe just a bit more concentration like a hat trick is great Austria under 21s are clearly not great and the championship is a is a different thing probably requires a little bit more 
focus. And that Alioski thing, then let's move on to him because that was glorious. We tried to pick it apart on Saturday and figure out what he'd done. I've had another couple of views of it now and he basically put his right foot on the ball, didn't he? And then tried to bring his left foot through to knock mm. it from under his own foot to presumably bamboozle the defender. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't concede a goal from it because it was it was about 89th minute, was it, I think? And it's yeah. one of those where you think just even hold it in the corner at that point, pass it around a bit down in there, just keep possession. Oh dear. But he had a good game, did Alioski? Mm. And... We, the things we talked about there again we have to point out that's our left back I know he was left winger by that point wasn't he I think it all still, switched around I mean but we had about same seven thing. defenders yeah. yeah yeah. but he's always the first furthest player forward it seems even when he's left back um, and he was in the position to put that chance over the bar we're basically <laughs> just like he was in position for it when Nketiah should have passed to him he gets in the right places and he doesn't He it, doesn't ever hide from it he's it's just a bit brainless isn't he that's all he is a bit, but you've got to love him for that. Well, I'd love, I would, I mean, not even in a, like a critical way, I would enjoy watching, maybe with like a, a, a thumping heavy metal soundtrack, of a, a compilation video of all the crosses to the back post that he then volleys into the south stand. Because <laughs> it happens all the time. And it's, you just know, uh, the one where he didn't, he should have had the goal against West Brom was like a rare shot nearly on target from that, that move. And the rest of the time, it's always just rose ed, rose ed. But I, like, if you if you got that pace right, so they're all on the beat, that would look fantastic. I'd watch that. Do you remember that advert about um, not climbing or behaving yourself when you were drunk? And it was the the bloke who went chasing the balloon up the scaffolding and then falls off. Do you remember that advert? I do. Yeah. Don't climb on shit. Don't do dad stuff stuff when you're drunk. Whatever it was. That's Alioski. He's going after that balloon, isn't he? <laughs> so are you suggesting our season will be derailed when he falls from some scaffolding? Uh, I don't think it would harm him. I think he'd just get up and go go at it again. He might become like Mr. Scaffolder, like when uh, Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider. If he suffers an injury in like a scaffolding accident, he comes back with the, the skill to like put a put a scaffold up a building in like 20 seconds. No good for football, but I don't know, maybe the extra agility. Useful for when we rebuild the West Stand though. Yes, maybe he could do it single-handed. That's his future calling. Eating the asbestos off the roof. <laughs> Oh dear me. Well, Pep Clotet was nice about us actually. He was very uh, fond about his, his return to Ellen Road in his quotes afterwards. And he, he said we were very, very strong and we're very good. We're good in the transition, which sounds like a technical football term to me. When you nick the ball off and when you score, it's basically what we did for our goal. That was a transition. He's a nice guy, is Pep. And I think it was good of him to tell Birmingham to lie down. And uh, David Stockdale on the bench as well, probably just going like, just lose, 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 lads. And they did. Mm-hmm. and we took all three points and we are second we could go top tonight mind you who is it West Brom are playing I think it's Barnsley aren't they so they'll lose you think yeah Barnsley are beating West Brom I'm going to put money on it now yeah, you've actually picked your phone up as well that'd be interesting <laughs> yeah, I've got to, to do that a better record I lost, you uh, normally do I lost £10 by the way I know people like to hear about what I'm what I'm up to with this they're losing money this week happy to do so what was your your better choice before this game uh, I put £5 on then before the game, and then when we went a goal up, I put £5 on the draw. That tends to be my pattern, I do. So to, if we go in front, you then back the opposition or, or lay leads? Uh, yeah, I sort of back the draw after we've, yeah. Because before the game, I think a draw is acceptable, but once we go a goal up, I think it'd be disappointing to not win now. So that's when I cover the draw. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Um, it got a bit unpleasant with the fans afterwards, and some arrests have been made, and some superintendents have been saying some stuff. Um, we don't want to say that anymore, do we? Do we? It's a nice throwback for the centenary. Get some, it was the, the one thing that there weren't enough uh, tributes to. I thought the, um, the South Stand... What, 80s violence? Yeah, the South Stand good, did a very good job of taking it old school with the, the flags on poles that they were waving about and then um, uh, the Birmingham fans joined in. Yeah, a bit of, bit of uh, 
unrepentant violence. That's <laughs> what the, the weekend was missing. They seem to mainly be just fighting with stewards, though, as opposed to other fans. It was one of those things where the, the people who seemed most annoyed were hidden, were stood behind a line of about 30 policemen by the end of it. And you're like, well, what are you really doing other than some pointing and shouting? Mm. Um, and they, yeah, attacked some stewards who are clearly not up for a fight, particularly. I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine as a steward, you kind of want to just go and not be punched. The exit's over there. Oh, why are you breaking my face? <laughs> Hitting one of the uh, female stewards a particular highlight, I think, for the for the Birmingham fans. The superintendent you referred to said it was, um, it's fair to say it's the worst trouble we've seen at Elland Road for over a decade. I think it's probably when we had um, scum in the League Cup was probably the last time. It was proper naughty. We're still missing Pablo Hernandez, aren't we? And his injury now seems to be, well, it's, it's multiple injuries, seems to be going on and on. Uh, I'd quite like to see him back in this side. I think he's what we're missing. Yeah, he was partly fixed. We thought he might. He played half an hour in the under-23s. We thought, that's good, he'll be back on the bench for the centenary game. But then he did his hamstring mm. in that half hour he played. Step forward, Tyler Roberts. I'm saying it. He he will. Uh, he's going to start starting games and he'll be great. You were hanging your hat on him quite a lot on Saturday. On the yeah, well. I hope he's good after all that. <laughs> it was just a few, it, like he wasn't pablo hernandez level but there was just enough there that made me think oh yeah actually because when he's been injured for that long you forget what tyler roberts can actually do and uh i think like fucking hell there's a decent player there who, who does some of the creative stuff that um that we've been missing and i, I yeah it's kind of a it's in hope as much as expectation but i would i'd like for that to work please and for sure the hip injury that never heals mm, they keep saying he's Almost ready. He'll be back for the next game. Never going to be, is he? <laughs> That's him done. Retirement? Him, I mean, and, him and Jack Clark both finished. Hip, hip replacements are fairly standard. I'm sure Rob Price can cobble something together. It's not a difficult one. Maybe Jack Clark has a spare. Or just have the one he's got. Not using it. <laughs> just the one. He's only got the one. I mean, well, is it a hip bone? I suppose you... You want to remove Jack Clark's full pelvis? That's what, okay. I assume that's what we we're talking about. I think, I think the hip replacement tends to be like just on the top joint as opposed yeah. to the full pelvis. Yeah, but then you're risking the other one not working as well. I mean, you might as well go with both. <laughs> Take out his pelvis. He's going to struggle when it comes to his future football career. We can have Adam Forshaw, so it's a swap. It's fine. We'll see what the big deal is. I don't. I'm not going to just do half a job. <laughs> one hip when you can. There's two perfectly good ones there. Hey, we know that nobody enjoys adverts, so we want to say thanks to you for tolerating the commercial messages we've got in the podcast. We're, we're, not, in, we're not in charge of the Brexit adverts, we should say, because yeah. that's all anyone seems to be served. Yeah, the adverts like before and in the middle of the podcast are, and at the end as well are done by the hosting company, aren't they? They just they do it all dynamically, which is clever. No idea how it works. But these ones, these are ours, all right? So Because um, we made the decision, you know, we said a few months back, we want to try and make this a, a full-time thing so we can do more of it. Part of that is to get sponsorship, so thanks for understanding that. And hopefully you'll get a chance to give a bit of love back uh, to the people who are getting behind us. In this case, Levi Solicitors, long-term advertiser in the fanzine. And they'll really, uh, they really kindly got on board with the podcast. And like our football team, they were born in Leeds. 85 years old this year as well, so they're having a big birthday at the moment. Uh, they've got branches across the country. So if you need a solicitor for just about anything, whether it's like personal business stuff, just give them a shout and it'll help us. Uh, the only things that they don't do are criminal and family law. And if you mention the square ball, when you speak to them, and they will give you 10% off your legal fees. And maybe just make sure that that's the only context in which you mention the square ball when you are <laughs> contacting them to, to get your 10% off. Not, not I want to sue those bastards at the square ball. Let's avoid that, please. Yeah, if your phone call involves the words bastards about us, 
We're not interested. Don't phone them. But otherwise, please do. Uh, everything you need is at levisolicitors.co.uk. Centenary then, chaps. We are 100 years old. We can now reflect a little bit. The misty-eyed uh, nostalgia has, has waned a little bit. A couple of days down the track. How are we feeling about the events? Did they get it right or not? I think they missed the target a bit. I think overall it was fine. <laughs> it was okay. Certain things, I think I think all the... We'll come on to the criticisms. The things that were good, I thought Saturday was a nice day. I thought all the stuff, um, the 100 in the stand looked very nice. Seeing all the players on the pitch, mentioned it on Saturday, it was genuinely quite a nice, touching thing. Like, it just... Things you don't even have to do anything for that. It's literally just some blokes stood on the halfway line of a pitch, but yeah. just seeing them all together, it's like, ah... This is nice. The best place to do it as well because you get 35,000 Leeds fans in there and it's it, you're never going to get as many Leeds fans together anywhere else. So to get as many of them out there as, as possible was was good. And the, the low fields outside was kind of, it was very strange. It was kind of a, a, a fast forward to what football might be like in the, the Premier League. There was a stage up, they had some of the players there and it was funny watching, like listening to this... Uh, really loud disco music and people with like silver balls on their heads prancing about and just seeing lots of old men sort of standing in the middle of it just frowning um but it was, it was quite a nice vibe with kid stuff out there it was it was unusual seeing the low fields kind of corned off and turned into a party zone and i guess if you if you throw yourself into that it would have been good like kind of but it also leaves the option of just like marching through it going fucking a bit loud this <laughs> Which it was. It, I was kind of leaning towards that. I was like, this is nice. Probably be better if I was 19 and off my face. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way for life, though? Well, exactly, yeah. There's nothing that wouldn't have been improved. <laughs> so that's the good, then. Let's let's address maybe what they didn't get quite right. In my opinion, a lot of what went before Saturday was too exclusive when you look at the cost of everything, like 150 quid shirt, £100 programme, £200 dinner. Everything they seem to be shouting at about in the run-up to it, was about expense and exclusivity and handing over money. It didn't feel like it was kind of our centenary at that point. No, it felt like I kept getting emails saying a really cool thing was happening, but then it was like 200 quid to do it, and it was like, ah, probably won't then. Overall, I think communication about it was just bad. Because when, at the end of Saturday, everything through the week kind of hyped up of people getting angry and angrier at how expensive everything was. But then everything on Saturday, if you had a match ticket, was free. But what they didn't ever tell anybody at the start of the week was what was going to be happening on Saturday. Nobody really knew on Saturday morning what was going to happen at the ground. And there was kind of... I think there might have been an element where they wanted some stuff to be a surprise. So the 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 photo before the match, the 100 with the players wearing the old tracksuits and all that when you saw it, it was like, oh, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice. But there was never... If there'd been at the start of the week a big massive outline and maybe not just an article on the website that said right Wednesday is your big VIP fuck off expensive dinner no so Thursday is your big fuck off expensive dinner Friday night is the cheaper one there's a, a 50 quid piss up in the pavilion with some ex-players and then Saturday is the day when you're all involved you will be part of this big display in the East Stand you will help the players recreate this the players are going to be wearing this these players are going to be on the pitch it was all kind of be in your seats by half past two because there's going to be some good stuff and it never felt you you didn't have that expectation. And then when you saw it, you were actually like, oh, well, that's all right. Then I, I didn't need to worry too much about that £200 dinner because I can see Lucas Radderby on the pitch now. And it's kind of, they didn't tell people well enough that there was other stuff that you didn't have to pay through the fucking nose for. I mean, like even the centenary uh, get-together in Millennium Square, painfully short notice. 
and on a th- and at three o'clock on a Thursday when the majority of people are going to be at work or travelling from work or picking up kids from school, and it was it was kind of the the worst possible time for that sort of an event. I thought either do it on during the day on a weekend or do it in an evening when people can get there. Yeah, I think like full disclosure is because I have had some involvement in some of the centenary stuff so the all the all the bad things I've all heard. the bad things that we'll talk about i mean the dream you, you scene. were pushing for 500 quid a, a ticket weren't you we'll talk about the the dream scene in a second but i know so having been involved in in some of it and sort of had the inkling they kept everything very close to the chest of what they actually were going to do because they didn't want to um over promise and under deliver i think so even in conversations behind the scenes it was hard to get like a, a proper handle of what was going to happen um, I remember early on them saying they had really ambitious plans for what they wanted to do in the city centre on the weekend. And for various reasons, it got near at the time. And I, I asked about it again and they just said, couldn't make it happen. Um, I think the Millennium Square thing, ticketing, timing of announcement, the fact that there were no bars, it's the council that runs Millennium Square. I think a lot of it was taken out of the club's actual hands when they couldn't have whatever it was that they actually wanted to do. And I've literally got no idea what that was going to be. And then, well, we want to have something in the city centre. And it ended up being, well, yeah, we'll let you do this rather than it being a, a big thing. So, yeah, I agree that fell flat. But, um, yeah, there was a level of ambition for some stuff that I think then when they started trying to make it happen and trying to make it work, they came up against either there's some parts of Leeds United that are, are quite antiquated behind the scenes and some parts of the city that are still quite antiquated behind the scenes. I think the thing that uh, they didn't get right, I think there was a little bit too a bit too much vanity involved in the whole project in certain areas. None of it overwhelmed it. I just mean things like that centenary badge, which seemed cobbled together and they've insisted on putting it on everything, like putting it on the centenary kit. It's, it, it doesn't mean anything, that badge. And take, like taking out the LUFC because they want the words Leeds United on the badge and they don't want LUFC because it com- apparently confuses people. So we've had that decision that was taken a while ago. But then when you put it on the centenary kit in gold, okay, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Uh, like the centenary kit itself, did they get that right? It's, it's absolutely fine. There's nothing particularly like wrong with it it's just it's just minor things like I, i'm not a fan of that badge that's that same kit with the lufc script on it or a smiley badge on it i think people would have been like this is perfect love that in the lace thing i understand that's what old kits used to have but when we had the laces we weren't playing in all white so it, it doesn't it felt disjointed it doesn't historically quite make sense mm-hmm. i think if you're going for all white i'd have just gone for a classic 70s shirt I don't think they were brave enough with the the badge in particular because I think looking at a lot of the feedback on it, you see loads and loads of people saying, can't believe you got this wrong. This is so easy to get right. All you had to do is, and then every single person says something different. Yeah. They'll say, you should have, all you had to do is put the script on it. And then someone else says, all you had to do is put the smiley on it. And all you had to do was make it blue and yellow. All you had to, so should have had lines cabinets on it. Well, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's got so many different things in a in a what they want of a kit. So I think they've just gone with, well... The centenary badge is the badge this year, so we'll just go for the modern badge. Whereas I would have preferred them to just go, fuck it, coat of arms, or fuck it, yeah. scripts, but and this, just make a choice but, and be bold. But this is the thing. I think this was easier to get wrong. Sorry, sorry it was harder to get wrong um, yeah, yeah. than... I think they've tried to not upset anybody instead of just going like, right, some people will wish there was a smiley badge on this, we're doing the script. Um, whereas they've just gone with... Um, well, we won't upset the Smiley crew or the script crew by doing the modern one, but they've ended up upsetting. But if both. you're in, if you're in the Smiley posse and you see the LUFC script, you're not going to be upset. 
No. Are you? And that's what I mean, is they've not been brave enough in that decision, I don't think. And the kit has no historical context other than it was in all white. That's that's the thing that got for me. It's like it's it's just a variant on the other home kit. Mm. And you kind of but you wanted them to walk out in something where you go, Oh bloody hell, they've, they've made a bold choice there and look at that. Yeah, yeah, from the from the stands it didn't stand out as being a different kit, I don't think. Whereas I think like Man City's one that they did, that you could that looked like an old fashioned kit. I think Scum did it for the Munich anniversary a while ago as well when they played in old fashioned shirts and it looked like noticeably a different shirt, whereas mm. this was more or less the same. I don't think you could. I don't think you could particularly tell. Admittedly, that's part of the limitation of having an all white kit is that it's very hard to actually identify any features of it from from a distance. Mm. Just returning to the vanity point as well, the eleven sports logo, and I think that's it. It's this desire to modernise Leeds United in the context of that bloody salute badge that we've seen, and then they've put the centenary badge together, which, like I said, it doesn't mean anything uh, really, and then. The 11 Sport logo, it feels like it's driven by a bit of vanity at, at a higher level at Leeds, does this whole thing sometimes. The dream scene is probably a good thing to to talk about as to where the, the kind of the communication has gone wrong and where some of the stuff that they've done well, they haven't sung about. So that's the one one of the things that I was involved in. So from, from the start... I wasn't there at the start, but there were a, a list was produced of um they had a it was a public vote for which players should be on it. And then they produced a list of um symbols to represent all the other players. So Terry Cooper isn't in the vote, but its boots are on the, the thing. So there's loads of winks and nods. And they worked with a group of fans. I was one of them, um, with an absolute blizzard of emails back and forth of how to do it. And the 11 sports logo was just always, there's like a list at the bottom of like things that are on it that aren't up for discussion. It was 11 sports logo is on the scene. And I looked, the, the artist who does them is, is from Australia. He's called Jamie Cooper. He's the only person who, who does these things. He's done them for two other British football clubs, Liverpool and Manchester City. And I had a look because one of the criticisms that we've got written down here is that it's 500 quid. And again, and that's, everyone said, I can't believe they're charging 500 quid for this thing. There's a 60 pound version. It's just LUSC retail. I haven't fucking told anybody that you get a very high quality lithographic print, 60 quid, and it comes with a, a reproduction print of the, the sketch that the artist painted it from. I did not know that. And you get a 20 page booklet explaining every detail on the thing. And that's 60 quid for that. It's like, it's all right. And I'd look at the other, at Liverpool and Man City and see what they did with theirs. Um, and it's the same 60 quid, 500 quid as, as the two options. City also have one at 800 quid which has a very prominent Etihad campus logo in pretty much the same place as the um, 11 sports one. Liverpool, their 60 quid one is 70 quid. They do the 500 pound one as well. You can also have one of theirs for 1,850 pounds, just for a bigger version of the canvas um, in a limited number. And there's almost, there's a weird flip of the, the thing there where um, this thing is really expensive, but the artist obviously has a menu where he goes to a club and he's doing his job and he says, right, I can produce these, these, these. And Leeds have gone for the two cheapest ones. They haven't gone for the, unless they're going to pull it out the the door. They haven't produced this fucking two grand monster that Liverpool have gone all the 800 quid one. So that kind of takes the the edge off it when it's like, it's not a 500 quid thing. It's a 60 pound thing if you want one. And also ours is way fucking better. That's the the other thing. Like the, the level of, detail and the amount of work that they've put the guy to is way more than the Liverpool one is just ex-players standing in a, a dressing room whereas the Leeds one is full of all the details like everybody's confused about Nigel Martin holding a doll but that's a story that even before I got involved they pulled out of my book and gone oh there's this story about a mascot from the, the 1950s that the goalkeeper used to take in 
wouldn't it be a nice do- nod to the supporters who used to bring that to the game to give it to him? Um, and it's the history because there's only one goalkeeper on it, so it's, it kind of represents all other goalkeepers and and it's the fans as well, the fans who who brought it. And it brings a, a story from our history that not many people know about back to life. And that's the club had done that before I was even on there. That's on, on the list. And the Liverpool and Man City ones don't have any of that shit. And what they also haven't told everybody is, do you know where the finished version is? So this thing exists as, it's a it's a massive oil painting. Literally, it's oil on canvas, the original one. It's in the West Stand forever. And it's part of, and it's laid out, it's in a display case with the, the explanatory booklets in front. And if you're on a, a stadium tour from now on, that's a huge part of the stadium tour, a talking point where you come in and go, this represents all these things from Leeds United's history. And so kids can go like, oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? And get an education from it. And that's fucking great. That's a really good thing, isn't it? I, I, had, I had no idea. Did you know about that? No, nope, didn't know about the cheap prints. Didn't know where it was. I assumed it was like hung in an office somewhere, to be honest. So all that stuff is kind of, it's, it's kind of um, frustrating to have, have seen the work that's gone into that and uh, um, and bear in mind that this guy, for the expense as well, the guy is in Australia, he paints it in Australia, he then had to wait, there was apparently, there was a, a very tense, I think it was about 10 days waiting for it to dry before the day when the plane is booked to fly to Coventry where it gets reassembled in Coventry and then brought up to Elland Road to be installed. And he spent... I, I don't know, I don't think he can have been doing anything else for the last nine months apart from dealing with this because having then met him as well, the amount of information he'd actually absorbed, I was at the the Legends Gala on uh, Thursday night where they auctioned a couple of these off and he was on stage telling people about it and he was repeating back like he knew it intimately, all the stuff that he'd put on. There was a, a, a lot of emails and I spent ages going through um, old magazines and scrapbooks trying to find representative photos so we could get the exact angle of David Batty and Gary Speed's arms correct for the lead salute. And like, I think he he regrets that conversation <laughs> and probably he will never recover from these uh, these people on the other side of the planet arguing about whether how far from the, the, the chest the arm should be and should it be left arm, right arm. But he, he got it right and all, and, and it's, and it's, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes where you want people like, us to be involved in this because oh no the, the you fucked up on the um and that was I didn't put it use those terms but one of the emails I said look the club got this wrong on the salute badge so we, we need to get it right here and asking making sure that all that stuff was detailed and the 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 wanted posters for referees from the 1970s is a is a beautiful touch and then yeah it is annoying that the one unshakable thing is it has to have an eleven sports logo in the back but. Fucking hell, it's 2019, isn't it? And we're run by, we are run by, I mean, football chairman, egotists. Mm. And I'm kind of, and I think of all the things he could have put on, it, it kind of does devalue it a bit that there is a, an advert for a, well, the logo of a, a shit satellite TV channel. <laughs> but I'm also kind of relieved that at least he didn't ask for his fucking face to be put in there or something, which yeah. could quite easily have gone, that is how he's, as I understand it, chosen to be represented. Right. So it's like, you are the chairman of the centenary year. What are you going to put on there to say, you paid for this thing and you you commissioned it and you own the club while the centenary is happening. What's going to be your thing? And he's gone, da-da-da-da-da, advert for me TV channel. So it's like, well, fucking hell, I'm glad you didn't just Yeah, like, that's true. I think it's worth remembering how, how much worse this would have all been as well. I mean, imagine the centenary going on with Bates in charge as well. It'd have been him on Yorkshire Radio slagging off Tony Eboa for not wanting to put his hand in his pocket to pay for his own flights. It'd have been an event at the at the pavilion, which involved him probably trying to sell tickets for a grand. 
Um, it had been him telling us all how grateful we should be that there is a Leeds United, which he saved, even though we're 17th in the championship. We'd have had some shithouse manager in who was been churned through every six months. So generally speaking, the club's in a fairly good place now. And that makes the whole thing more forgivable because <laughs> actually everything, everything mainly is fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was well intentioned, even if the execution wasn't quite what we wanted. I think, yeah, a lot of the intention that I've seen is better than the club have, have tried to do for a, a very long time. And some of the, and it is frustrating that that final um, hurdle of telling people about it. So the, the other two things I want to mention, because the club aren't, is um, we, we talked about me being involved in the time capsule thing. I was called back last week to actually do the final judging with. John Howell, Kath Hamill from Leeds United Women and Ben Shires off of CBBC who when the kids came in and saw him, heads, their faces hit the floor. They were thrilled and they were looking out the window at the pitch. And that was great. I spent, I spent a, a wonderful morning with my phone off in a, a room in the East Stand as these kids came in and did. they were told to do a, a Dragon's Den style presentation to see if their thing could be in the time capsule. And the one that sticks in my mind, I mean, we already mentioned before, I think the dabbing Billy Bremner um, was was back. And um, and somebody else <laughs> had researched uh, Lucas Radaby. And I don't know who they who they thought Lucas Radaby was, but they stood, um, this like nine-year-old kid, and was like, Lucas, the entertainer Radaby, the fans used to come to see his acrobatic tricks and exciting <laughs> goals. And he used to score, uh, said that he used to score heading divers. And... <laughs> And he, was he, did, all, he did score that one vaguely acrobatic goal where he was laid on his ass. if that counts. I think they must have seen that and assumed it happened all the time. And there was great, the the what turned out to be the winning entry had a, as part of it had a massive scrapbook with details of old players and it's like a there's a six-page section with everything you would possibly ever want to know about Ilian Meslier. It's like, <laughs> but so much work and so much enthusiasm and those kids, there was a brief bit that you could see them at half-time on the big screen having the photos taken and putting the holding the box, the actual brick that is going in the wall of the players' tunnel, holding it like this precious gold. And all the entries, um, they've ended up, I don't know exactly what they're doing for them, but I think rather than bin the ones that didn't win because they're all that good, they're, they're doing something to keep those kind of in posterity and get the kids back to, to games and stuff. So that's great. Everybody gets a certificate. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um and then the other thing is we we made, we played out the stuff with Helen Keogh in the, the last episode, the curator. And part of her work is that she's written a big online learning resource for schools because uh, local history is part of the school's history curriculum. And so Leeds United is not part of that. But now as part of the 100-year celebrations, they've made this big learning resource so any teacher in any school in Leeds can go on and go, right, I'm going to teach the kids the history of Leeds United as part of learning about civic and local history. That didn't exist before this year and that's all been done as part of the 100-year celebrations and no fucking knows about it. And so they've let, they've kind of let everybody just have at them for £200 tickets and uh, £500 prints and the £100 programmes that if you, you know... You want a hundred pound program, I guess you want a hundred pound yeah. program. There's no arguing with it. And this stuff just I guess I was saying to Michael before, when they have tweeted about this stuff, it has tended to get lost underneath replies just sent saying tell Bielsa to play and get here. Um <laughs> so it is quite difficult to get those those messages out there because it's stuff that people doesn't really care about. And even the civic reception that gave the Reavy team the freedom of the city of Leeds, as a city, Leeds has no higher honour it can give to anybody. Um, Nelson Mandela, Jane Tomlinson, a couple of other people, and every player from 67 to 74, they've never given it to a group before. 
the players' reaction, apparently they can't believe that they've been given this wonderful thing. Nobody really gives a fuck. Everything behind that is like, well, yeah, but the kit hadn't been unveiled at that point. It's like, yeah, but where's the kit? So good things have happened, but they've all they've really communicated about is because they bombard you with fucking emails every day saying, do you want to buy a new shirt? Buy this, buy that, buy that. Um, everybody assumes that's all it is, and then all the good stuff that they've actually done has gone under the radar. So it's a 50-50 defence and attack. Like Half of it is wanting to defend the, the good stuff that they've done, which is stuff that we would never have dreamed happening under Bates or GFH or Gelino. And then the other half of it is saying, you fucking idiots, why have you not told everybody about this stuff better? One of the things they did get right, though, like you say, the display, the fireworks and stuff on Saturday. Let's have a quick chat now then to Rich Jowett, who was helping behind the scenes at Ellen Road. You all right, Rich? Yeah, no, done. How are you doing? Good. So tell us about uh, your involvement in the behind-the-scenes stuff on Saturday then with the car display. Yeah, well, I got um, I got a phone call from a pal of mine who's uh, an Aberdeen fan of all things. He, um, he, he knows this guy called Stephen McCormack who works for Supporters UK. Now, they do all the setup for these big... Um, these big displays all around Europe. I mean, they were doing stuff at Bruce Dortmund a couple of weeks ago. And he says, uh, do you want to come down to Welland Road and get involved in the centenary project? And I'm like, of course I do. You know, you're not going to turn that down, are you? So I got down there and sort of met up with Steve. Um, well, just keep on calling him Mez all the way through this because it's easier than saying Stephen all the time. But um, And, you know, the, the guys were absolutely belted. They were great to work with. And it was just really good to get involved with actually setting up the centenary thing and then seeing all the cards getting held up and that photo that the club tweeted and you start thinking, oh, shit, I did that. <laughs> it's quite nice. So how did it feel then when you sort of pottering around in the East Stand doing that? What, what does that feel like as a Leeds fan? Yeah, do you know what? It was so different being in the ground when it's empty. Uh, and I'm not just talking like, you know, Division 3 sort of empty. I mean, really empty. <laughs> uh, it, were, it, it did feel a bit sort of... It, it's, it's a lot bigger than you think when you're in there. You know, when there's nobody else there, you sort of start taking it in a little bit more rather than just thinking, oh, you know, it's a big stand, this. But it really does feel big when you're just the only one stood in it. Do you feel like um, a sense of history when you're stood in there doing it as well? Do you know what? It's one of them things I didn't feel it at the time until I finished and I was sat in the West Stand looking over from, we're just in front of the uh, the glass wall there um, where they uh, all the suits sit. And, uh, and we're sat there looking over it and thinking, oh, that looks this, that. You know, I can't wait to see that tomorrow. And then, of course, when everybody, when the players came out and the cards were held up, they were like, I am really glad I got involved in doing this now. So I'm elbowing people around you saying, I did that, I did that. That is going to be one of them things that's there for a while, I'm fairly certain. The, uh, I've already uh, ordered the Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The wave. Yeah, that big photo, didn't there? There's a big wave in front. Yes. How, how long did this whole thing take then? Uh, we were there at about 8am and finished for about three in the end. Yeah, it was quite, quite a long day. I mean, there was, uh, there was three of us from UK who were doing it and then we had a load of agency people um, who were constantly telling us that the blue that we used is definitely a Stourbrook Rest blue and not a Leeds one. <laughs> so you can tell where they were from. <laughs> <laughs> would have pleased the, uh, the Brexit massive, that one, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it will have done. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a conversation for another day. Rich, nice to speak to you, mate. Thanks for that. Yeah, no problem, bud. Right, we spoke about the centenary kit. Quick word on the new third kit then. Powder blue, baby. We're going baby blue. I like it, actually. It's a nice kit, isn't it? It's not. The only thing I would say is, can we really use it where white wouldn't do? I we're know, we're like about it, to find out. I know, it feels like it's going to be quite hard to see the difference between a white shirt and, and a very light blue shirt, but I don't know. We'll see tonight. Won't One we? thing I did wonder was why the 32 red was in white and not dark blue. But then I thought, actually, if the players are glancing round looking for each other against Preston and they see a dark 32 red, it genuinely might be for that reason that they, out the corner of your eye, you don't want to pass it to somebody in a white shirt with a dark logo on it. Anything in that, or have I made that up? <laughs> it, it might. I mean, every every club is sponsored by 32 red. It seems at the moment, so. Yeah, possibly one of the things. But I think it's quite a nice shirt. I quite like the little bit of detail around the bottom, stripy socks and stuff. That's good. Mm. It's whether or not it's again the whole series of kits. It's the sweet. The suite of kits doesn't feel right to me for the for the centenary season. They've missed the boat on that one. Yeah, I feel like they could have gone for three three classics. Or you go for you've got your pink and grey and pink, whatever it is, modern kit as they said, but then one out and out traditional one to contrast that like so maybe the Charles blue and yellow halves or whatever it might have been the, da- like the David Hopkin blue and blue and yellow halves surely that's oh. what that's what I remember <laughs> I think the where they've fucked up is that the, the home kit we're wearing all season just didn't good enough no. if that had been a, a perfect just all white beautiful vintage looking kit wouldn't have had any problems with anything else really I keep thinking about um, the kit on Saturday because the the club requested from the Football League that we play at home for that match so we could do the big celebration. But I don't think they get to choose who we play against. And if you think, I, I was hoping for a blue and yellow kit, like the a tribute to David Hopkin or Gunnar Haller. But then we, we play uh, Birmingham, who home kit is blue, away kit is black. Third kit that we saw is yellow and blue. So a yellow and blue kit. And I'm, I'm wondering if, I don't have any information to back this up, is if whether the slightly half-assed limited edition thing we ended up with is because they went shit we can't do a blue and yellow one that's what maybe gives them too much credit maybe it was always going to be white but that's the problem if the home one had been just a beautiful white shirt I think their their intention is like that is your centenary shirt and no just it's not very nice Yeah. and then after that you've got the they've been quite clever with this new third one in getting the because it was a big question of how do we get the the Huddersfield blue that we wore in the the first league seasons um, involved and just taking the blue and nodding to the Lazio kit that we copied off them is quite it's quite a good way of returning to the the, the very earliest Leeds United colours. But then, yeah, the, the the lack it's that it's those two white ones just not quite hitting the mark is what means that you don't then quite get away with the the pink and grey one and the 
the sky blue one as easily as you would have if everybody loved those. I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's a bit of nylon, but it's it's what it symbolises, I think, isn't it? It's that kind of um, that that feeling that you have towards the club, that your attachment, and and it because this has made us reflect on our history and your own involvement with the club, which we're talking about actually at some length on the extra ball this week. So check that one out, our other podcast. It's all about attachment, and it just feels like. I can't get attached to these kits this year. And I can't believe they've not put the one from Saturday on general sale. That just is, that's, doesn't make any sense for me. Because, I mean, there is a bit of a dichotomy in the argument where a lot of people are like, I hate that, I want to buy it. Um, but not only doing it for 150 quid in a box just seems, in limited numbers, seems... And only large seems an odd choice. Well, they're obviously not meant to be worn unless they fit you, I guess, but they're, they're there. it's a thing to be framed and kept and stored, isn't it? Whereas there's, it's the mad, maddening thing because a lot of the the argument about the centenary celebrations as a whole is how commercial they feel. But then the other side of that is how they've, they've left money on the table for these that like people, even if they didn't particularly like it, would have handed over 60 quid for one of those shirts just because of what it is. And, um, and I think I, I'm... With the timings of it, I'm wondering if they thought, well, if we've got the third the third kit coming out straight afterwards, that's the one that everybody can buy. But I mean, it's almost it's this weird thing. That I can't... Had they had they put the centenary kit on general sale, I would have bought it. Yeah, and it's mad that they haven't like whatever it looks like, and it's one of those things that just doesn't. Yeah, trying to work out this weird line between them selling too much stuff, but then also not selling the stuff that people actually want, and so they're not making the money where you feel like they could. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's very difficult to, to, to work out and it would be easy if they just sold the fucking kit. That's one of the things that went, made me think that maybe there was like a a late switch around of like, that because we know it takes however long to, to produce a, a kit in significant quantities and Kappa have been quite bad. So I'm wondering if they just couldn't get them out in time or something once they were but. Maybe that's just trying trying to work trying to find generous ways of going. Why have you just been idiots? Mm. Well, it's it's kind of become the must have item, and nobody can get them. So uh, we having spent a bit of time trashing the kit, but we acknowledge that it's a limited edition item, and they're really hard to get hold of. We've got something pretty special that we'd like to sort somebody out with. We've got one one of the centenary kits. We're burning it because it's shit. <laughs> like when the KLF burned a million pounds. We're not. We're just going to keep the laces. Yeah, well, we're not. Um, we uh, are going to raffle it off, basically. We you know, want to do some good with it as well, so, you know, rather than putting it in a frame or a cupboard and we don't have an office, but if we had an office, putting it up on the wall. Um, so we're going to raffle it off with all the money that we raise. It's going to go to Leeds Children's Hospital Charity Leeds Cares. Uh, it's not just the centenary shirt, and this is the beautiful bit. It's going to be signed by the first team squad and if we're lucky Bielsa himself that would the question is going to be asked isn't it yeah the question will be asked and he will say no we need to say a huge thank you to Gaetano Berardi as well for getting us this shirt and for arranging for it to be signed he's done us an absolutely massive favour because we reached out if you remember we interviewed him some way back he said if you ever need anything give me a shout so we gave him a shout and said could you get your hands on one of these shirts because we want to raffle it off? And we were going to buy one, but by the time we went to buy one, they'd had sold out. So we were going to buy one to try and get signed, but instead he's just gone, no, I'll sort it out for you. So which is very, very good of him. He's a good lad. He can get sent off as often as he likes, for all I care. <laughs> so it is a once-in-a-lifetime prize. Money can't buy it, but you can win it for a fiver. That's what we're doing. It's going to be a fiver to enter the raffle that we're doing. You can enter as many times as you like if you want to increase your chances of winning, but do it sensibly. Full terms and conditions are available on the website. Jordan Stevens is not <laughs> eligible to enter. 
if you want to enter, go to thesquareball.net forward slash shirt and it will redirect you. So it's thesquareball.net forward slash shirt. And if Bielsa doesn't sign it, you'll probably ring you in 15 years to apologise for, for not signing it. You might come round. So, yeah. ah, there, there was a mistake 15 years ago I've, and I've found your address. I've been hunting you down for years. I brought a pen. So if you want to enter it then, the raffle for the centenary shirt, the squareball.net forward slash shirt. It's going to be signed by the first team squad and you can get your hands on it as well. And it will raise some money for sick children. This is the booze baton then, where we determine where our end of season promotion party is going to be. And we keep neglecting to say in this that everybody is invited. I mean, we want tens of thousands of Leeds fans descending on whatever town it is that we end up in to party with us, to celebrate our return to the Premier League. £200 a ticket? (laughs) Maybe not. It's worth investigating. You can you can fit four in a travel lodge family room. It can be this can be done on a budget. So this was the idea of Eden J Harris on Twitter, our mate, who's better known by his nickname of Garden. Uh, basically, the party destination started with Leeds at the start of the season. If a team loses, then they give up the baton to the team that's beaten them, and it's been kind of like Stoke and Birmingham and Manchester. Now in Wolverhampton, who they play Slovan Bratislava on Thursday in which case we will split the baton to allow for a domestic and a European trip. Not sure how this is going to be someone with my wife, but... Just tell her it's it's more or less work, isn't it? It's business, isn't it? It's a work trip. Yep, that's it. Otherwise, it's Newcastle on Sunday, which I think will be ace for a party destination because it's not too far. Yeah, but if they get it, they're not going to go undefeated, are they? They've got Steve Bruce in charge. No, I've got no faith in that to happen whatsoever. I've got no faith in them to beat Wolves, to be fair. If we do go to Wolves, though... Where are we going to stay, Michael? Well, I've, I've been looking through my TripAdvisor reviews. I, th- I think we'd already looked at clubs, so I found a, a hotel to stay in, uh, Oakland's, which looks kind of, it looks like a, a fairly small B&B, but um, this person says, I stayed at Oakland's for two days during a business visit to which I booked a budget room. On arrival, I was told I'd been upgraded to room with an ensuite. Great, I thought. That sounds really good, that. It does, until I get to my bedroom that I paid good money for to discover a hellhole. Plug sockets were hanging off the wall with titles do not use, paint was off the wall, and the bathroom was a complete state. <laughs> I thought it would be fine to deal with. It was only two nights, and hey, I had an ensuite now, so at least some privacy. Wrong. The ensuite was actually a child's personal bathroom, <laughs> which he and his friends use frequently, often forgetting to flush and leaving toilet paper strewn everywhere. There is nothing worse than sharing a bathroom that you've been told is yours with a child that isn't even your child. That's truth. <laughs> Gospel truth words there. A completely blatant lack of privacy and disgusting attitudes towards the child's safety, if not my own. Is that, is that a confession? <laughs> <laughs> I I should not be left around. (laughs) My parole officer was very clear. I did not see an adult once while I was there and often kept awake with the child shouting at televisions or screaming in the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, So, besides this, there was a constant health and safety violations in place, plugs off the wall exposing main wires to all, dirt covering every location and the worst, bed bugs. While I was staying there, my body became covered in bites to which I've asked my GP and he's ensured me they they are bed bugs. Maybe that child... So possibly the child's going in there and, and gnawing on you in the evenings. <laughs> but I thought that sounded exceptional that you get, yeah. you get a... One of the other reviews suggested that the bathroom, the ensuite bathroom is one of these where you can access it from two angles. Oh, like and it, a Jack and Jill. Yeah, and it was an ensuite shared between you and the owners of the B, of this B&B. <laughs> and like you said, it had all their toothbrushes in and stuff when you're going in, which is slightly odd. So maybe maybe we go there, I reckon. Coming up then, Preston tonight. We are recording on Tuesday. Uh, team's going to be the same. No surprises there then. Bielsa said that. However, he's letting them have a little rest, which is good of him. Resting is the most important thing, he said, with some brief, intense stimulus on the pitch. 
Better than the slow arousal that Ken <laughs> promised us. Brief, intense stimulation. Yes. I try to ensure the players don't feel I am always demanding. Um, I do think he has softened up a little bit from last year, hasn't he? He's not quite got through because he was saying at the start of the season lots of stuff about he was going to give more players more minutes and then here he's saying, nope, same team. And it's going to be nicer to them. Maybe not bombard them with... Uh, I suppose now Celine Lamrandi's there. They're not, he's not sort of reading the Communist Manifesto to them at eight o'clock in the morning anymore. So maybe a little bit more relaxed. Yeah, we'll beat Preston. They lost to Reading 1-0. Patrick Bamford always scores. I think Bamford's going to score a hat-trick, then he'll be taken off at half-time so Enketia can come on. It's my prediction. First half, perfect hat-trick. Yeah, and then his, his job's done then. Hauled off. Is it weird that I'm kind of in a roundabout way looking forward to us playing away a little bit more these days than Ellen Road? Because it feels like we've got more of a chance away of, of not gnawing our nails down to their knobs. It feels there's less pressure on us as well. I feel like I'd, if we draw away from home, people will still be calm about it. They'll be like, okay, a point at Preston, that's absolutely fine. Draw at home to Birmingham would have been people saying, we fuck this, we're never going to go up. We're a dreadful side. Invest, get Steve Evans back. Buy a left back. I mean, Just remember, get a big man, put him up front, pump the ball at his head. It's the only way to get out of this division, even though it didn't work under Warnock. You say oh. you're looking forward to playing away, but you've seen our last two away results. Ah. <laughs> at least we're not going to London, I suppose. Um, whereas at home... What were our last two away results? Charlton and... Millwall. Yeah, we should, so have, won, two, should have won both of those. Two games, whereas the last... Uh, home games is two one nil wins, two clean sheets, six points. Funny how things get in your your mind. But I do, like, I agree with you. It's just then you actually look at what's happening. You're like, oh, actually, no, we are shit away from home. Nah, we'll be fine tonight. This is when it all gets back on track. Tonight. Well, my prediction was that we would lose to Birmingham and ruin the centenary, and then, well, my other prediction was we would win one hundred nil. Um, <laughs> But no, I thought we, if we lost to Birmingham, we would hammer Preston just so we could prove we don't turn we turn up when it doesn't matter. Um, but we did turn up. We had the perfect God. It was a fair act from God. He put everything in the right place. So that does kind of make you think that we'll just fuck up at Preston because they've got the they've got that sheep with the staff and the, the stick thing. So God may find it difficult to rule against them. Back to the uh, the old God Rod days. How are you thinking we're going to get on tonight, Michael? Um, I think we might draw for some reason. A mm. score draw. We seem to there seem to always be fairly high scoring games at Preston, two all or something. And obviously, by the time people, uh, a lot of people listen to this, it will have happened. So, so we're going to look particularly foolish. Egg on our faces. Well, I'm go- well. That's interesting. Then, so I'm going for win. Michael, you're going for draw. Moscow defeat. Um, I think, given how close we are to people being able to judge us with hindsight I think we will either win or lose or possibly a draw I don't think we lose three away games on the bounce I think this is where it's it's going to be fine tonight we shall see won't we then on to Saturday uh, Gary Monk's Sheffield Wednesday lunchtime kickoff back with another set of losers for for this season see where he is next year well we know what they're going to do they're going to shit houses like his Birmingham side did he made it difficult for us last season with with his Birmingham team is Barry Bannon capable of shit housing there's a question Barry Bannon I think this is the first time we faced him uh, with his full head of hair as well (laughs) as the weave um... it's gone it's gone in over over the summer hasn't it that so that'll be nice to see looking forward to that's probably the thing I'm most looking forward to in this game seeing Barry Bannon's uh, beautiful new locks. I've been sort of ignoring Sheffield Wednesday in general, apart from Gary Monk being there. I just find them laughable. Where are they in the table? Eighth. Right. I think they'll probably end up, they'll be eighth to twelfth. They're going to go bang mid-table, aren't they? But they're going to uh, they're going to absolutely collapse in a couple of years, I think, because 
when I looked at their squad, they had they've not used a player this season, as far as I can tell, who is under the age of twenty four. And there's only a couple of twenty four year olds, and it's a big leap. A couple of twenty six year olds, and then half of them are like twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty upwards. And Stephen Fletcher is the one scoring their goals, and he must be at least forty five. There is just there is no. And with all their, uh, they've sold the stadium to themselves now, so they've done the one FFP trick and the whole, uh, like, fake, I mean, allegedly fake sponsorship deals and make their own kits and stuff. Anything to try and crawl themselves a little bit of cash to use. It's not working, so they can't replace that team. I think they're going to end up with the guy there in a couple of years. They'll only have six players, and they'll all be like 40. So um, I'm looking forward to the, the swift demise of Sheffield Wednesday. I think this is the first game. We'll beat them 7-0. I think we'll we'll get a record against them, and then um, and then they're just going to deteriorate from there over the next few years. Mid table this year. About, Gar- what about six one? We win six one away. I don't know if we could do it at, at home. Maybe a six two tribute to the another of our great away wins. We are away. We are away, Moscow. Well, then we'll beat them six <laughs> one. Excellent. Jesus, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Whatever happened to home away, home away? I do that's you want to redo works. this bit? No, it's fine. That's, no. I'm, I'm content sounding like an idiot. People are used to it by now. How many of these? We've done 150 something. <laughs> People think we know what we're talking about by now. <laughs> I'll anyway. see you all at Elland Road on Saturday. Uh, it's a five o'clock kickoff, isn't it? Yeah. Evening match. That's right, mate. Uh, I say six points this week. Michael, what are you going for against Wednesday? Win. Don't know why. Just think we will. What, what will you be backing? Oh, well, them to win, obviously. But that doesn't. It, it's not what I think. It's just what I cover. I don't. I don't think my house is going to burn down, but I'm still unsure against it. <laughs> nice analogy. And Moscow. I've put the uh, the bet on for us to beat Preston tonight and Barnsley to beat West Brom. So that's definitely happening. And then I don't see why we shouldn't follow that up with a a massive win over Gary Monk. He, Monk got his little shit-housing wins over Bielsa last year. So I think it's time Bielsa put him back in his box. Heroes and villains now. Then we pick somebody who's made our lives better or worse over the last week. Uh, first up is the Ken Bates Villainy Award, named in honour of Ken. Quiet week in uh, in Casper, Wyoming, where there is a Ken Bates there on the council. Who's... Not the same one people have pointed out, but... Oh, is it not? Well, yet, yet it's been I don't, proven. I, don't, I, don't believe that. I, I suspect it probably is. And, and the fisherman spokesman, Ken Bates, as well, He's he's been quiet as well. So he can just be nominated this year for, for trying to potentially end us before we reached 100 years. I think that'd be that'd be an apt thing to nominate him for. Yeah, I was on the company's house website uh, last night and had a dig around uh, on the old Leeds United, the original 1919 version, which was, was incorporated on October the 2nd, 1920. Company number 00170600. Not a company formed until 1920. So I think there's still potentially what was happening in the, in the first bit. I think that needs some investigation and a points deduction potentially. I mean, if you'd read my book, you'd know. <laughs> what I liked was um, the Leeds United Association Football Club Limited, which is sadly liquidated now, thanks to Bates and what he did in 2007. You can find on there the articles of association which tell you what a company is there for. Somebody read this out, possibly in a jaunty 1920s voice, because I think it's wonderful. To promote the practice and play of football, cricket, baseball, lacrosse, lawn tennis, hockey, polo, bowls, cycling and motor riding, aviation, running, jumping, the physical training and development of the human frame and other athletic sports, games and exercise of every description and any other games, pastimes, sports, recreation, amusements or entertainments. And... To arrange to hold and conduct football, cricket and other matches, athletic sports, gymnastic displays, agricultural, horse and flower <laughs> shows and army, naval, aviation displays or tournaments. That's what the original Legion United was set up to do. 
they were trying to cover an awful lot, weren't Sounds they? Like, what a fine club, though. What a fine club that is. It's just trying to do too much, though, I think. Flower so. shows. <laughs> yeah, agricultural intrigues me as well. I did see one of the things that were going to, um, when they were selling off Ellen Road years ago, potentially it was going to be turned into a brickworks, which I quite enjoyed. Um, maybe they could have incorporated that somehow into the into the displays, brick making. But yeah, very, very broad. The naval displays would have been interesting given Leeds is landlocked, <laughs> but that's... Uh... <laughs> Floating them in on the... <laughs> the whole back was diverted, wasn't it, at some point? Could... Well, it's under the pitch now. That's where the, the, the well and stuff all goes around that way, so... It could have been part of it then. <laughs> uh, who else do you want to nominate? Uh, Leeds United, just for just for cashing in on it all. Too much, too much cashing in. Give us free shirts, that's what I say. Yeah, I'd like to nominate Leeds United for that centenary kit, which obviously if you want to win, <laughs> you want to enter our raffle. It's a great thing to win. Yeah, the squareball.net forward slash shirt. Yeah, I need to nominate Gatano Baradi for lumbering us with that, that rubbish. So <laughs> why we have to give it away, we don't fucking want it. Cheers, bro. We also, um, we also need to nominate Leeds United again, third time for LUTV being an absolute shambles during the Birmingham game and loads of people missing the first half. And then, and then just pumping out a tweet saying, if you want to watch the Preston game, 10 quid that. Is that a separate nomination? <laughs> nah, I think it can yeah. be. Fourth nomination for Leeds United then for that. Tenor to watch Preston. <laughs> yeah. Leeds United for putting um, Moscow's face on a big screen on the Lowfields Road. That was unnecessary. Yeah. Although, Christ. dispersed the crowds effectively after the game though, so that was, that was good. It's one of the strangest things. I'm going to use that as a as an opportunity to mention them. I think he wanted to be called Dexter, and then there was Andy, who I met very drunk at the thing on Thursday night, and also Laura and Dave, who I didn't see. None of them were villains, but the villainy of me now being recognised because my face is up on fucking screens everywhere is... Uh, I'm submitting this as evidence against me. Like these are um, offences to be taken into consideration, and the and these aren't these aren't even the only people who who recognise me on the street. Um, and despite your uh, compelling evidence about the Eleven Sport logo making its way onto uh, the Dream Scene painting, Moscow, I would like to nominate Radrazani for putting Eleven Sports in there. He had that option, didn't he? Just don't don't do it. Does somebody take his take his little hand away? <laughs> No, Andre. There you go, Sport. Don't put it in and ruffle his hair a little bit. Who else do you want to nominate? I suppose the, the Birmingham fans have actually done some bad stuff. Yeah, they were in our preliminary nominations, weren't they, on the match ball? They probably remain the favourites. I mean, punching people doing their jobs, it's not not nice. Mm. It, feel, it feels a bit remiss to, to give it to Leeds United during his centenary week. <laughs> yeah, it was we kind of mentioned earlier, a lot of the intent was good. So we're kind of... Is um, it time to add a Villain of the villain of the Week award onto the dream scene? <laughs> Could just go and break into the West Stand and draw a little thing on with a pen, marker pen. Sticking a Birmingham fan, bricking a steward. <laughs> we need to remember that for all time. Yeah, I'm, I think the Birmingham fans are probably likely to win this myself. There was no need for any of that at our big birthday party. Leeds United are the club would ruin other people's birthday parties. Mm. We always go to places. Imagine if somebody tried to hold their centenary game or something against Leeds. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Birmingham, the Birmingham fans wouldn't even have got close. But yeah, so it's our job to ruin things. Yeah. Um, not theirs. So I think they should win. Agreed. Yep, fine. Up yours, Jasper Carrot. Uh, the Andy Hughes Hero Award now then. Uh, somebody who's done good for us over the last seven days. Calvin Phillips, obviously. He's lovely. He scored. He's Yorkshire. It was our centenary. That felt nice. And God as well for obviously doing the, the putting of things in the right place, as Bielsa described. Mm. I think God was also responsible for the ball boy who uh, nutmegged that Birmingham player when he was refusing to give him the ball back. Yeah. That was lovely, was that? A little smirk as it's well. Exactly what I want Leeds United to be about, that. As he turned away just a little, yeah, yeah. 
done you there. Uh, the man himself as well, Bielsa, for turning up to a black tie dinner in in a tracksuit. You, you I mean you were? At, we've not touched on this. You were at this event, weren't you, Moscow? Uh, yes, I got um, me and a few others for the the work we did on the dream scene and stuff. Got invited to the the big two hundred pound gala. Did you see uh, Bielsa turning up in a, in his tracksuit? Well, not only were we invited to that, but as a, a very lucky coincidence, we were walking past uh, the West End and the, the Southland Corner when they were having the, the champagne reception and doing that photo and um, a, a very friendly face from Leeds United uh, nicked us in, gave us a wink and said, Bielsa's just turned up in his tracksuit, come in and have a look. Um, so yeah, we were, it was, it was a very strange and surreal and kind of once in a lifetime experience to be in a, a, a room with, and watching the door and it opens and he, oh, Chris Fairclough is coming in and now... How is oh, Howard Wilkinson? Luca, yeah, it's, and then Lucas Radaby's there and it's worth, they're not on the um, the painting, but um, Gary Speedsmore and Dad were there and there was um, Glyn Snoddins coming in and uh, um, trying to work out who was Tony Curry. Well, why, why is Neil Warnock there? <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff. And there was a great, absolutely brilliant moment when... Um, one of the the staff came over and, and sort of touched me on and said, "All all the former players now. We need you in the uh, in the lounge for the photo." And I was like, "That's very very flattering, um, but I don't know who you think I am." And then yeah, so there was a room. All the current players were in a a room, and I think they'd been tied out at Millennium Square and stuff because um, they were kind of lounging about on the back. Credit to Adam Forshaw and Stuart Dallas who kind of. I think they remembered they were adults and came out of that that room where everyone was playing on the phones and started talking to some of the old players and uh, mingling and then um, and yeah didn't see Bielsa until they 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 did that big legends photo first and um, we were standing there just mouth open looking at how many fucking ex Leeds players it's it's like if you think about the uh, what you saw in the centre circle on Saturday but then you stood twenty feet from it looking at them all. Um, and then they brought the current squad in, and that's when Bielsa came <laughs> shambling in, and uh, and then yeah, just stood at the back, out, like gets himself in between. Um, I think he was between Lucas Radaby and Nigel Martin, and like Tony Abou is next to him, and Chris Fairclough is there, and they're all in the the black ties. Mental. And then there's uh, the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing was absolutely mad. Um, I will. I'll cop to this as well. I decided I wanted to try and shake Bielsa's hand, and I saw. Berardi was kind of walking away from it at the end. I was like, well, we know we know Gitano. So I went over and tried to time it to get to them both at the same time. But Bielsa, when he wants to move, he moves. And Bielsa was just got past as I reached. Did, did you not grab him? I, I, I if he'd handed you a lollipop. I kind of <laughs> I kind of very lightly brushed his shoulder and then kind of turned around. I was like, wow, just touched Bielsa and turned around and, and Berardi is stood there looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> how, how many managers of the last of the last? Well, in fact, you can go to your entire time supporting Leeds. Would you have tried to just touch? And I mean, O'Leary was in the room, and I didn't give a fuck. Wilkinson, I've been fortunate to have interviewed him before, um, but yeah, it was just yeah, that was. He's got an aura, hasn't he? He's got an aura. He and- does have an aura, and the, the thing with it, what's incredible about him is he's able to. So we, there was then um, the we, we we got on the coach with all the wives and girlfriends. Uh, round to the pavilion and then the play, players and ex-players followed on coaches as well and so Bielsa and the, the current squad were only at the, the dinner for a very few minutes because Bielsa's basically cracking the whip and wants them back training it was 8 o'clock so there's still time for another session <laughs> and he's able to I, I, I can't remember if he came 
into the actual dinner. But he's got this knack, and I guess the point is, he's able to create this atmosphere of respectfulness, even though he's wearing a fucking Unibet Kappa training shirt and everybody else is in dinner jackets. I think this, he, he's kind of, he's the, the lesson in that respect is not what you're wearing, it's been what you're doing. Frank Lampard. <laughs> yes. And uh, and sort of the way he, he comports himself, the fact that he, he doesn't turn up to anything, but he turned up to this and that he was, you know, he, he did everything and was fine. Because somebody quite rightly pointed out is Steve Evans had fucking... <laughs> Blundered in there in his fucking Giacomo tracksuit with... Uh, Giacomo. Giacomo. <laughs> Giacomo. <laughs> Giacomo. It's Giacomo. It's not. Um, then everybody would have been up in arms. We would have like chased him away with pitchforks. But because of Bielsa, the way he carries himself and his bearing and, and the... Well, what you know, Still laughing at Giacomo. Yeah, like, then you know it's all right. You know, he's being, he's being very respectful. <laughs> uh, and what an event it was and the only person that you got a photo with the only ex-player you insisted on getting a photo with your Luci- darling Luciano Becchio I, I introduced myself to um, Chris Fairclough and Rod Wallace because you never see them at anything and I think they were the two that when we made Do You Want to Win about that team they were just like they weren't to be found so we went and, and used the Brian Dean lever and then um, I think the other thing to, to kind of mention about the the gala dinner as well is that yeah it was it was 200 quid and like I wouldn't pay to, it's not my sort of thing but I, I obviously I really love being there but now um, it makes everything a lot easier when you're just ligging into stuff but there was um, a lot of it it seemed to be about the players more than more than kind of a fan event and it, it struck me as it was very kind of old school fatherby of like yeah he's going to charge people through the nose for, for these dinners and, um, and it reminded me I've seen there's, a, there's an element where because this is now on Twitter, like you feel that you could have gone and then you realise it's out of reach and it reminds like Chubby's got some of his old programmes for the the extra ball and you'd see you'd see photos from it of an event like that after that happened. Um, there was one for the 1992 title winning team straight after we'd won um, that nobody, I don't think anybody knows it happened. And um, so it is that kind of thing where, and you could see some of the old faces who Fotherby did used to fleece are still there banging out £2,000 for a table. That dream scene thing, it's part of it is they auction those off and apparently that happens quite a lot. The the artist said he's never sold them. It was, I think it was £17,000 and £15,000 people paid for the foundation. So it's very much that kind of, all that stuff. Celebrity dinner kind of. Yeah, it was that crowd of like really rich local business people and so that's... Like yourself. That's fine. And then a few of us who managed to look in and get on there I get on John Helm's table. Somebody nicked his starter before he turned up, which he was he was most unhappy about. Um, someone knew. <laughs> I mean, where would I put it? Um, but then, in the middle of it all, the players all had their own kind of area, and I remember watching Brendan Ormsby, who we know has not been well for a long time, kind of walking around the tables with a massive grin on his face um, and just loving seeing Peter Haddock and. Howard Wilkinson and whoever else was there that he, he knew. And those two ended at the end of the night. That's when I went and got my photo with Becky. Like everything kind of died down to scrum for photos. So I went and uh, and got that. But then didn't want to kind of go for anybody else because there was um, there was just Peter Haddock and, and Brendan Orm to be sat at a table together. Everyone else was kind of getting up and leaving. And it just like that. They were just really appreciating being back as a as a group of players and seeing some of the interactions where you don't realise that Alan Clark actually knows Jermaine Beckford. Um and like so they're chatting. It was the beautiful thing 
when they're on the pitch, Jermaine Beckford and Howard Wilkinson walking off the pitch arm in arm, they've all got this kind of, this ex-players social group that needed its its moment to happen where perhaps that's not the right event to have then a big crowd of people who've paid, who can get in and see it. It, it has a an, an air of sort of necessary exclusively. And I, I was kind of thinking that I would have loved, I'd love us to be St. Pauli where it's, you know, it's everything's level and you're drinking with the players all the time. But um, English football's never really worked like that. Um, and yeah, it, I suppose what I'm trying to say is you, you kind of, I felt like I was maybe intruding on a player get together. Um, and, and you were. And I absolutely was. <laughs> you were. And uh, and so it, it was nice. It was nice from that point of view. And um, yeah, it was oh, nice it's, to... It's, uh, it's interesting to get outside they had all the, the things. Fa- they had I all like the that. families up there. So I think that's the other thing. Is like the, the big central area was players, wives, girlfriends, and, and family. And there, there was... They, they did do um, they did a wonderful section with like interviews. So Bryn Law and John Helm were going around talking to him. And Johnny Charles said, uh, John Helm said to him something like, "Oh, last time I interviewed for something like this, you were singing." And Johnny Charles goes, oh, "Well, I was drunk then. Mind, I'm drunk again now." <laughs> <laughs> and they were clearly having a great time. And the um, Royden Wood, they found. I remember some of the questions flying around of like trying to find who is the oldest living Leeds player. Royden Wood was a goalkeeper in the 1950s turned 89 the day before the centenary so he's only about 11 years is that right 12 yeah 11 years younger than Leeds and uh, the interview him they said what was uh, um, what was it like playing with John Charles was he as good as they say and he went oh he was okay <laughs> and then he remembered all the bollockings that he used to give him when Charles was a young player he says yeah I had to get him in the dressing rooms because he used to make so many mistakes I used to tear strips off him for, for doing this and that and he at the end of the night he was he was walking out and lots of people getting photos with him and he looked like he was just like it was wonderful for him uh to be back there and then and that that kind of side of it was uh um it's a shame you can't get thirty five thousand people into that kind of thing but then when you're in there you also kind of understand that like the the players probably don't want thirty five thousand people there for that kind of thing they only turn up i remember this for the, the do you want to win Premier organisation is you get some players come back and they say, well, is it going to be a lot of people there because I don't really fancy it if it is. They, they kind of, like, I'd love to see my old teammates again, but if it's going to be a big, like, bun fight too, then they they won't come. Um, well, I'll tell you what, that, for me, clearly signifies that Leeds United are getting the uh, the Andy Hughes Hero Award because we've gone way off piece there. But it was fascinating to listen to. <laughs> We're not get... giving it Alioski. <laughs> I would say, like, the one other point, because we had this on, on the criticism, is, like, players who weren't there. So the criteria for attendance was 100 appearances and then they bent the rules a bit for people like Yeboah and uh, Vinnie Jones who who didn't, and John Newsom who didn't make 100 appearances. So we, we there's questions we've written down here, like, whether David Weatherall should have been there and Lee Chapman. I, I, I'm... 99% certain they will have all been invited and there will have been various reasons why people either couldn't make it or didn't want to come or whatever. And I know there were some um, some players, like, it'll obviously be personal for them why they come, but some agreed to come and at the last minute couldn't make it. So there was all that kind of stuff going on. So I'm pretty confident that like that 100 cut-off, they just invited everybody above that. So if your favourite wasn't visible, then there's probably... It will be a reason why they. Vinnie Jones said that Batty just didn't fancy it, didn't he? Yes, like, he said. He... I was trying to get him to come, and he was like, "Nah, not for nah. me." Uh, which I like that actually. I quite like it. Nah, not for me. Yeah, some of them just. He probably didn't come because he didn't have a suit, though. Someone <laughs> should have just said, "Bell's is going to be in trackies. You can 
pair of jeans, you'd be fine. One moment I did like in that behind-the-scenes video was when uh, you caught sight of Danny Mills and David O'Leary in the same frame. <laughs> I thought, ooh, you forget that there might be a little bit of tension there as well. Oh, we should push as well the uh, um, Norman Hunter and Terry Cooper thing. That was the highlight. That, that I replayed over and over again. So the if you, LUTV, the, the Legends photo video, opens with two beautiful things where there's... Lee Bowyer goes to meet Howard Wilkinson and Wilkinson, I think, knows about the 100 appearance cutoff and goes, how many games did you play? As if, like, he, he doesn't think Bowyer should be there. But um, Mrs. Wilkinson immediately fixes on Bowyer's bow tie and you can see her staring at it as these two um, old gaffer and player are, are getting together after how many years. And she ends up just interrupting. She's like, do you need me to sort your tie out? And then the next scene is her retying it. And then... Interspersed with that is uh, Norman Hunter going over to meet, um, to shake hands with John Helm and turning to the guy next to him to, and he holds his hand out and he says, oh, how are you doing, pal? Norman Hunter. And this guy just stares at him and then punches him in the ribs and just goes, all right, Norman, how are you doing? It's Terry Cooper. And poor old Norman, like his reaction. Didn't realise because he was all baldy, wasn't he? And he mentioned, you can see him rubbing his head, yes. which is it's a great moment. Um, Terry Cooper says something about, do you think Tally Savalas is coming? There's <laughs> another reference for the kids. But that's worth just going, and uh, and that's kind of one of the moments that kind of encapsulates what that was all about, of just those two getting back together again. It's Leeds United, it's 100 years old, they're having it, aren't they? They're our heroes, all of them. Can't stand that place. <laughs> Leeds United, God... If it didn't invent, if it didn't exist, would you invent it? No, but I'm glad it does exist. Yeah, me, me too. too. Subscriptions for this season on sale then on our website. You can get merch, mugs, hoodies, whatever you want, and subscriptions to our other podcast, The Extra Ball, which um, on this week we are going to be going back over our feelings, our attachment to Leeds United, because we're feeling all warm and fuzzy with all this centenary chat. So we're going to be doing that, answering some of your questions as well. You can find all that at thesquareball.net. Fingers crossed for six points then, and a return to the top of the league. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll speak to you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. 